Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hi everyone, this is Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Dante, I have a question for you. Shoot. Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes on a porn set? Literally every day. (laughs) No, you don't. No, seriously. Like I finish jerking off and then I go. Oh my God. I wonder, (laughs) I wonder what, like that ridiculous concept I just watched, (laughs) how that, and I, I often wonder, I often wonder whose house is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, cause I see like. They fucking come all over the place. I'm like, that's somebody's couch, man. I wonder why the bedding's so ugly. Well, I'm sure because it's like whatever we can find as quick as possible. Well, these are the questions, some of the questions that we get answered this week. So my my good, good friend, Jonna, mm-hmm. she early in her career, in her makeup artist career, she worked in the porn industry and she started out as a as a makeup artist there and then moved moved up the corporate ladder into production <laughs> management and it, it wasn't something that you know was planned out now she's an holistic coach and she's amazing in person. the wellness space in the wellness space yeah, yeah she's awesome she was gracious enough to share that experience with us because it, it sort of came up in a conversation that her and I had and that I was like oh man like I think our listeners would love to hear about that and just it's not what you think no it isn't no so enjoy the episode everybody enjoy guys hey Jonna. <laughs> Hi. 
We're so happy to have you on. We're so, okay. We're all excited. Yes. We, it's been a good day so far. Yes. We can't see you nodding. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's true. You, I thought you could hear it maybe. So, so there's a little bit of a story. Dante wasn't really in on this. So I, I just want to tell, there's a little origin story between Jonna and I. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. And I, became a fan of Jonna's Instagram profile account, Soul Searching and Squats, which we'll we'll link to in the show notes. And just amazing photos and awesome posts and and really, really usable stuff for people. And so I, I've been following that for a little bit. And we on one of the posts, there was it just spoke to me so, so intensely I had to message her I contacted her and we ended up I think it was that day a Jonna we ended up having a phone call like a FaceTime call just because we had similar journeys with training and learning to love your body and and that kind of stuff and we ended up talking for like I think it was like three hours yeah it's just crazy yeah it was was like we'd known each other forever and you had told me a little bit about your background and we were talking a little bit and, and you can, you can tell people like your story, but at some point in the conversation, um, you were talking about being uh, a makeup artist and you talked about the talent when you were doing makeup for the talent and you did this for the talent. I was just like the talent, the talent, that's a, that's a special kind of language. (laughs) And I didn't talk about it at the time because we were just new, you know, I didn't want to like, I didn't want you to be like, oh my God, I can't talk to her anymore. So it was later on. I had messaged. That's right. You know, (laughs) you don't want to blow it. You don't want to blow it early. Just, yeah. And so I had messaged you later and was like, did you used to work in porn? And you were like, ah, nice, nice spot. (laughs) And so then we talked about that a little bit. And you have been so gracious now to come on and talk about your experience with that. So can you give us some background about your journey and how you kind of got to that place where you were working on in that in porn production? Yes. Well, I would love to. Yeah, this is kind of like my my tell all. So (laughs) I didn't set out like, Hey, I want to do makeup for porn. It came about very organically. I moved to Florida and I hadn't been down there long at all, maybe less than six months probably. And I was going to makeup school and I started to like look for jobs. And one of the first jobs that I applied to was for a makeup artist for a production company. And I went to the interview, like met these two guys, like They were very nice. I showed them my portfolio and they, you know, liked what they saw. And then at the end they were like, well, you know, there's one thing that you should know, like this is porn. At the end, they thought you should know that. How did they not leave with that? You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was at the end because like, I I think I would have remembered like, Oh, they said I, I think that I would have been approaching it from a different kind of like, do you think you would have said no, if you knew that at the beginning? You I mean, know, it was the beginning, but it's like. interesting because I am from like a Christian like household, like in the South. And so that is something that like my parents still, as far as I know, don't know. And so if they would have led with that, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know because I, one of the things that I didn't like about where I'm from was that like small minded mentality. And, you know, I, I don't know. 
Um, but we've been sitting there, we've been chatting, like I felt comfortable, they threw that at the end. And so I was like, Oh, okay, you know, and I think what, you know, for me, it just kind of stood out in terms of like, that I was like, well, I can never tell anyone, number one. And then number two, like, I don't want to say no, because like, what else are you going to do for money? Kind of thing. Right. Because you had said it was it was tough to find work while you were in school. So yes. So the whole reason I started pursuing makeup, because my, my background is in communication studies, that's what I went to college for. And so I was working actually here um, where I currently am in North Carolina. And I was with um, an ad agency. I was like an account manager. And I was like, well, I don't want to be here all my life. And so I started to pursue makeup because I wanted to help women feel beautiful. Mm. That was why I wanted to like start doing makeup. And so I moved to South Florida, went to makeup school and bam, this was like the first job opportunity I had. Because aside from that, yeah, it was difficult because you either had to know someone like within the industry that could like get you jobs right. or you, you had to get in something where you were salary. It was very much like a hustle. Like you have to like get a job, like get paid for that job and then like get referred to another one kind of thing. Because if you work at those makeup counters, like you don't get paid anything. And so when they offered like a full-time situation, I was like, okay, yeah, because like the money was good for like what it was. And so, yeah, I took the job and that's how I, I got started. But then I ended up being the assistant like set manager or the set manager. I don't remember what my actual title was. So how long, how long did you do makeup? Like how long were you doing the job that you were actually hired to do? A few months. A few months. Because what, see what had happened was the person who was the set manager one day just didn't come in period. And so they knew that I had a background and there was also another makeup artist. And so we just transitioned roles. Like she became full-time makeup. I went to do more of that, but they were really cool because I was like, well, makeup, you know, was like what I moved down here to do. And they're like, well, you can still do that like once or twice a week or something like that. So like they were cool. They worked with me, but it led to me doing more than just the makeup. Right. Can, can I ask a a makeup related question. Oh, aren't you yeah. cute? Well, I mean, forgive my ignorance because I only <laughs> I only know what I like to see in people who wear makeup. But okay. like from a practical standpoint, did you have to like adjust the way you did makeup because of the fact that people are getting sweaty or liquid is going places? <laughs> and and follow up question: Did you only apply makeup in the facial area? or to other parts of the talent? Wow. Yeah. That is only a question a man would answer. <laughs> well, I, these are good questions. No, these good are good you. questions. Like, that's why you're here, so, to get the other perspective. Yeah, these are good questions. Thank you. I'm sure you're not the only one that will have those questions. I've been asked the one about the, did you like make their dick look bigger kind of photo? Like, like did you use makeup like? <laughs> like shadow the veins? That's a different kind of contouring, I think. <laughs> yeah, like were you contouring <laughs> their dongs? Do you have an answer for that one? Did you do that? Yeah, I have answers. So um, for <laughs> the first one, did it did it modify how I actually did the makeup? Yes, because um, that was like one of the things they taught. Like that's like any good makeup artist, you want to make sure you're using like waterproof products. I had to make sure that I use products because like you mentioned, like the sweat, things that were like very sweat absorbing, very like matte. So yeah, you did have to pay attention to the type of product that you use. Regarding different body parts, 
the only time I really touched up someone else's, someone's like additional parts, someone had like some acne one time. This is where I was wondering, because you see it a lot on butts, that there's like little pimples and stuff yeah. like that. And it, I don't know, it, as a porn consumer, it's not my favorite thing to see. <laughs> so I wondered if like the high class production companies that hired Jana to do this stuff, mm-hmm. if this was like, oh, hold on a second. And you like just dab away or something in, in, in the scene or... Yeah, I, I did conceal some, some, what do you call it? Buttony? Some butt <laughs> acne. Yeah, As- exactly Asne. that. Asne. Asne. You have acne Asne. and Asne. Yeah. 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 And then you would have to like retouch like the way that they shoot the scenes. You would have to like retouch after, you know, the money shot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And you know what? I think like what, and I, no, we don't. What kind of porn did this company shoot? You sound really happy right now. Well, no, I'm just curious. I'm getting like the behind the scenes stuff. Like, did they did they shoot a particular genre or style of porn? Because I'm wondering if, you know, those like really aggressive blowjobs where like the makeup is running, like if that was intentional in terms of like, would you not put waterproof mascara on if that was the kind of scene that they were shooting so that you could exacerbate that? Or did they were they not thinking that they were just make the talent look pretty and that's it? So in that, good question. Look, yeah, you, these are good. These are good questions. Kudos. <laughs> so in those terms, they would be different types of different genres, if you will, like double penetration, teens like it big, um, which were always the really disturbing ones for me. We did some lesbian shoots. Those weren't as popular. So it just depended. But yeah, we would do different themes, if you will, or genres or okay. whatever you want to call it. And in terms of the makeup with that, you would alter it based on, yeah, like what the scene was, like if they were going to like a fancy party or if they were like the pizza delivery person or like whatever. <laughs> but I, I would never, we didn't like, like you were saying, like a, an aggressive blowjob, like we didn't necessarily like do non waterproof for that to make it like look that way. That was probably either not thought out or um, real. <laughs> 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 there this is a trick though so the guys um in order to make their their comb look thicker would eat celery what celery is all water how does that make it thicker i don't know that's what they said <laughs> wow that's what they said they a would like the- down some celery so that their their comb would be thicker huh. and then and eat lots of pineapple because all that stuff is going to change things yeah i don't know did they have a lot of pineapple <laughs> No, we did not have pineapple on set. I don't know what they did like before they got there. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question that everybody asks you and that you kind of sidestep talking about this because it's the question everybody inevitably will ask you is that, did they ever ask you to be talent? Were you ever tempted to be talent? Was that something that ever kind of crossed your mind where you go, what's the ultimate fuck you to my background? Like (laughs) how far away from my upbringing do I want to (laughs) get that? I can really tell no one. So sometimes the male talent would come in and think that I was his co-host or co whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Co-star. That happened a couple of times and I was an extra a few times. Oh, yeah. Like Joey Tribbiani fixing the copier. Uh, yeah, I had clothes <laughs> there I on. Am. There I am. There I am. I had clothes on. I had a an alias. So 
like because you have to be in the credits yeah right and for the most part i was in the background but one time i had to be the girlfriend oh wow oh it was one of those shoots <laughs> that walked in on that walked in on them kind of worse so me and the male talent were engaged to be married the next day and he fucked my little sister it was a team <laughs> like it big oh yeah <laughs> And so in the opening scene, he's like trying to get in my pants before the, before the big day. And I'm like, no, you got to wait, keep it in your pants. And he goes and has sex with my, my younger sister. <laughs> wow. Did the wedding happen? Um, no, no, it did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I care. The story's important. Not. <laughs> I'm curious what, when the guys show up and think that you're there co-star for the day like how what's the opening do they go so are we fucking today or what's going on like <laughs> that is an excellent question so they would come in and you could tell they thought it was me like sometimes they would say it but other times they you could just tell they thought that I was they'd be like oh hey like I'm such and such like nice to meet you like and they kind of would start like chatting you up until I was like yeah so I'll have your your co-stars paperwork out in just a second. I need to see yours because I had to, you have to show them each other's tests. Like initially, like when they first get on set before they actually shoot to, to prove that they are clean. And so I would usually shut it down pretty quick, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was kind of like just being approached in the bar. They would be like, Oh, oh Hey, like, what's your name? Nice to meet you. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and I love how you're like, yeah, I'm going to need to see your paperwork. Thanks. Like, I, that's, that's so you, John. I love that. You know what? That is something that I have brought into my personal life. Oh, yeah? So now you just do that at the bar? You Well, I'm like, if you want to get it in, I'm going to need to see the paperwork. Like, <laughs> thank yes. you. Nice. nice. So I guess I guess that kind of begs the question, Does has that experience kind of heightened your awareness and sort of of sexual health when you're when you're dating and stuff like that is that something that maybe you think about more than some people might I am very present to it we had this one situation where oh god it makes me feel bad it was a teens like it big and the the talent the female talent uh we got her tests from her you get it from the manager or the, yeah, I guess they're called managers. I don't actually remember their talent director, I believe is what it's actually called. And uh, she was, she was positive for HIV. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she was like a baby. Oh. And the other person that had the, the same role as me um, was the one to like break the news. She, she didn't know? To her? Oh my God. Oh, sweetie, you can't work today? Well, why is that? Um, because you have HIV. Wow. What? That's Ooh. That's a that's a rough day at work, man. Yeah, I guess she had just gotten tested like recently because you have to get tested every two weeks. Okay. And so I guess it was like her first shoot since she'd gotten tested. Right. But yeah, she didn't know she showed up and we were like, yeah, no. Oh wow. I always wonder. Because so much porn is shot without condoms and they have these testing things in place specifically to catch those kinds of things. But I always wonder if it's sufficient to catch these kinds of things or are there all sorts of like 
STIs in the industry just being passed back and forth to people in between shoots and stuff like that. Like, I, I wonder, cause I don't know my upbringing in the nineties where like having sex meant you were going to get HIV. That was pretty much a sex ed that we had always made me a little like squeaky about that kind of stuff because I would always be worried about that. Yeah. And then you see porn and there's clearly that, I mean, it's, it's a fantasy, right? It's not mm-hmm. meant to be real life, but there's, you see the same talent having sex all over the place and there's no, there's not a content to be seen. It's like, how that's gotta be risky. Right. Yeah. But it, in your experience, I mean, there's this one incident, but was, it was that an isolated sort of incident or, or did you, is that something that you would hear about from other talent or managers or anything like that? That was an isolated incident for sure. We worked with primarily the same kind of batch of male talent. The female talent is what we would um, vary more. Like you'd fly them in, like they were, you know, kind of like the the creme de la creme, like you treated them like with white gloves. And to your point, like, yeah, there are, and I didn't really think about it at the time. Cause yeah, like I was kind of, I was baby. I was like 22 years old. This is like over like how many years ago? Is it like 12, like 13 years ago that I did this? So to your point, yeah, like there are so many STIs that don't show up within the first like three months. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like men, like you can't test them for HPV. So that's terrifying because you still don't know like what the the repercussions of that are going to be like, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, because it's Mm -hmm. like something that we're still just kind of learning about. And so with that being said, it's a risky business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, we were very sex positive and sex work positive mm-hmm. on, on the podcast. And so this is not sort of a, a to, to throw shade at any, any of the talent or anybody involved with that. It's a, you know, this is risky work. And this is something that, you know, people don't really think about where their porn is coming from or what the, what the human toll of it is. And you know, when yeah. you talk about like, if you were 22 and you said she's a baby, a lot of these girls are Gotta like 18, 18, 18 yeah. 19 years old, right? But some of them lie about yeah. their age. And that's a, a rough day where some production manager is telling you, so you can't do your scene today because we got your test back and it's not good. And what the implications are for the rest of their lives, right? Because like, how long would you say careers are in porn and obviously it's a lot different for men and women so I don't know that I can accurately gauge that because like some of them you would see once and never again right others were people that like made a career out of it like we all know Jenna Jameson like we all know like Ron Jeremy like we all know Aja Akira like some of like the bigger names Mm -hmm. like they have been in it for a while and yeah zero shame like I fully support sex work and yeah, like it's, it's something that, you know, you have to consider like, you know, what, what am I willing to risk? And like, you have to have really clear boundaries in that sense, in terms of like, you know, who you're willing to work with and like know where you're willing to go. Yeah, exactly. So you had mentioned that, you know, for, for a few months you were just doing makeup and then you had been given another role as a production production manager. Is that what you said? Yeah, I was like production and like set manager. I think it was like set manager. It was like my technical title. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it said on your business card. Yeah. Yeah. So that meant, Beatrice, that meant that (laughs) (laughs) 
my job was to um, go through the scripts and like break them down. And so anything like I had to go buy props. They were very particular about the specific lube that I always had to make sure we had. There was that one time that I had to make an emergency run to Target to buy all of the bed and the bags that they had, along with as much douche, uh, as many enemas as I could get. (laughs) And what was that like at the cashier? Not good. It was not good. So this is, mind you, like family super target at like nine, like 10 a.m. It was like early in the morning on like a random weekday. And I just go in there and I like have a cart. No one went with me. And so I've got like a cart full of those like bed in a bags and yeah, all this stuff. And I might have had to get lube that day, too because they wanted to make sure they had enough. And we only had like the special kind, like we only had so much of it. And the credit card I was using, it was like right after the other person had quit. So the credit card didn't have my name on it. It had this other person's name on it. And so I'm like, if this doesn't go through, do I pay for it? Like, (laughs) will they reimburse me? Like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm 22. I'm like, I don't know. And so fortunately, the car did go through. I think it was as awkward for the cashiers as it was for me because no one really said anything. No one really <laughs> made eye contact. <laughs> they just kind of like bagged it up. I just kind of like stared at the ground. <laughs> like, please don't ask any questions because in my head, I was kind of going through like, okay, are you going to tell them? Like, it's not for me. Like, <laughs> oh, that's not mine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like these 15 enemas. <laughs> That's just, you know, it's for my friend. <laughs> I could just see you going, pushing that red shopping yeah. cart down the aisle. And just like with your arm out, just brrr, just knocking all the boxes. Yeah. The shopping cart. And, like, yeah. It, I, it, very, it was like a very hurried, like it probably, it probably looked like I was about, it probably looked like I was about to like rob the place because I very much probably like <laughs> grabbing the stuff and like just shoving it into the cart, trying to put all of the the douches like under the bed in the bag so like you couldn't see it till I got to the register like yeah I'm walking through like people have their children (laughs) not that the kids know but like I do and their parents do so so that was that was one story their parents do yeah um but hopefully they wouldn't be paying any attention to me or they'd be in school because yeah it was like like I said it was like early morning before lunch like on a weekday <laughs> but uh but yeah so that was what I had to do I had to go buy like random dildos for the scenes and things of that nature so that was yeah my my new role aside from the set management part which was like I said showing them the tests like making sure that like all their paperwork was in order and ordering lunch like making sure we ran on time like basic like normal set management stuff what kind of lunch do you order for a porn set? Whatever they want. Really? Depending on what kind of scene it is, they might not lo- want lunch that day. Yeah. <laughs> not burritos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not burritos. <laughs> yeah. Unless, so yeah, the, the set management part was usually pretty normal unless we would like rent a house or a location where whoever we rented it from invited their friends to like watch mm-hmm. yeah we had to that happened like once or twice and we were like you you can't be here this is not that's not what we're doing like we're paying you to use this space you need to go and so um that happened a couple of times there were a few times that the money shot got on 
the furniture. Um, <laughs> one time in particular, we had to put the pillowcase in the washing machine. And I remember me and the other person that had my job, we were like, are you going to do it or am I going to do it? And I was like, I, I don't want to, do we have gloves? Like, wh- why don't we have gloves? <laughs> Biohazard. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, why don't we, why? That was before PPE went mainstream. <laughs> yeah, that's and you right. just Yeah, you could just order off of Amazon. Yeah, which is what we did with those douches after I had to go to Target that one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because John is planning ahead after that. Yeah, I always, like these, (laughs) some of these locations, were you involved in in securing places for shoots or? That was the other person's job. The other person that had like, yeah. Because I always figure those hotel rooms that a lot of porners shot in, the hotel doesn't know that they're shooting porn in that room i mean they're probably supposed to but i feel like a lot of it is on the down low like nobody's nobody's doing it but those really nice houses they've had to like rent it from somebody and yeah i don't want i'm whether i have that big house or not i don't want people fucking on my couch and spraying jizz and lube all over the place (laughs) there's not a blanket spray it on the pillowcase no bring your own bed in a bag that's what jonah bought all those bed in the bags for (laughs) That was, that was for at, so we had like a space where we could make scenes. Right. And so we would do some of the things there, like an actual set. And that landlord did know what was up. Okay. I think he tried to not tell the other renters what was up. (laughs) But I mean, come on. (laughs) But yeah, so for the locations themselves. I'm pretty sure that it was disclosed what we were doing because yeah, like why else like would they want to like sit around and watch? There was one time that we were in a high rise and we got kicked out because whoever had rented it to us wasn't supposed to kind of thing. And that was a shit show. We wouldn't do, we had, we rented out spaces in clubs. Like in VIP rooms and stuff like that. No, like just in the club, like clubs, you know, closed during the day. So I remember a couple times, a couple times, yeah, we would rent out a club because I remember, oh my God. So this is like a, a real behind the scenes. So I remember one time, set manager at this point, I'm over there. We were at some bar club, like it was closed during the day and they were in between scenes. And I look over and female talent and male talent, females like sitting on the bench or something. And male talent is like eating her out while they're having a conversation to get himself hard. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my life right now. This is, <laughs> this is what you're doing with your life. Like, <laughs> again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just like, this is so far removed from my upbringing. Yeah, it must be surreal. Yeah, they're just having a conversation about like the weather or something. Like, oh, did you drive here? And the talent, the male talent, his wife. His wife was a principal for the school that their their kids were a student at. Wow! Didn't any, didn't anybody ever tell him he's not supposed to eat with his mouth full? Like, come talk on, talk with his mouth full, talk, or talk with your mouth full? Yeah, I guess you eat with your mouth full. You can't <laughs> can't be sitting there having a conversation while you're eating. That's not that's not polite. No, it's not. No, no. he full on was he full on was, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there on my computer, sending my emails like, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, and then they fucked on the pool table. And I got to listen to the stage direction and the, the scene. People were like, oh, did you used to watch them? And I'm like, you know, at that point, no. Because it really, <laughs> it really takes the fun out of it um, when you have to 
set it all up and buy their dildos and lube. And yeah, like watch them like talk about it and stuff. So, so yeah, I was like, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't watch them. Not sexy for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because our director sometimes like they would have scenes and (laughs) he was a really smart or is a really smart guy. And um, the director, he would say things like 200 million years of evolution. And this is the shit we come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Stuffing three dicks in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, those days. Whew. I remember the the production guys would like come out and like, it's not cute in there, or like it's it doesn't things it's not looking good in there. And I'm just like, what time is it? Do I have to clean up? <laughs> like, God. you mentioned that the female talent was treated like with white gloves, flown in. Was there? Did you notice that there was a difference between the male talent and the female talent were treated on set, or was it? fairly egalitarian and I imagine their pay scales were also different as well right the pay scales are also different yeah the male talent was local it was different because I think we knew most of the male talent mm-hmm. and so they would come in and it's like oh like hey like good to see you like how you been like shooting the shit kind of thing whereas like female talent they were on a schedule like you would pick them up from the airport like bring them in do a makeup they'd sit like shoot the scene you had to have them back on the airplane like off to go kind of thing mm-hmm. Because what a lot of them would do is they would try to get it so that they would be in town for the night. So after their scene, they could go and like make money either at a strip club or like some other kind of like moonlighting, like while they were in town. And so they very much like ushered them in, shot their scene, ushered them back. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, as far as like how they were treated, like, no, we treated the male talent the same that we did the female in terms of, yeah, like we're going to be nice to you. But it was it was a lot more like laid back for the most part because yeah, like we just had like a different relationship with them because we saw them more regularly. So I have a question. What is your opinion of there's been a surge of what they kind of talk about as female friendly or feminist porn. Um, I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. ever heard of like Erica lust or um, directors like that, that make a different type of porn. Most porn, I think a lot of people argue is male centered it's for the male gaze. Like I still enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. that's, I'm just saying, I'm just wondering if you had ever seen some of the, the female friendly or feminist porn and sort of noted a difference between those two things. That's not what we shot. And prior to my experience, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of like that kind of realm. I 1000% think that yeah it's male centric and that like some of the languaging that they use in like the titles very very much points to the fact that or alludes to the fact that sex is something that is done to women and not like with them and it is very much like a degrading kind of understanding and so while fully support sex work I think that there are some things that need to be considered in terms of how it is presented Mm-hmm. because I think that men see that they think that this is like, this is where they get their education because sex is something that I feel is very like taboo mm-hmm. to talk about. And it's, you know, a part of human nature. It's like who we are. Like, I think that we should be able to have these conversations. And at the same time, for whatever reason, it's been, you know, demonized by society. And so we don't, and all of us like women and or like boys and girls at that point, like when we're younger, I think, you know, are curious, that's human nature. And so we look to, you know, find this information. And now with the 
invent of the internet, it's readily available. And so whenever you see these things, you are kind of like subconsciously or consciously like conditioned to think that like, oh, like I'm going to fuck some sluts because right. that's what you're reading. And women, you know, this is something that I talk about a lot, actually in my coaching now, as women, whenever we are growing up, we're taught that we are whatever people tell us, right? Like we're sugar and spice, we're everything nice. Like, mm-hmm. and what that does is that leads to us in adulthood, you know, taking what others say about us and believing that to be true, like adopting to be our own narrative. And whenever we do that, I think that if we see these titles and we see these things consciously or not, we think that these are the things that are supposed to be done to us. We think that like, well, that's just the way it is. And so I think that that's really doing us as a society, a huge disservice. I think you're absolutely right. And, and actually that was on my list of questions or list of things to talk to you about is that because sex ed is so sadly lacking in North America, because it's not just, not just in the States here too. And that the model is, you know, not comprehensive at all. Doesn't talk about pleasure. Doesn't talk about, it's just biology and disease. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much all they, they talk about. And so young men and young women are getting their sexual education through porn. And it is, I, I always talk about porn is about as looks about as much like real sex as grand theft auto does real driving. Right. (laughs) Yes. It's, It's, Kind of, but not really. It's kind of the same, but not really. That's a beautiful analogy. (laughs) And I think that, yes, a lot of men think that that's how you're supposed to act. And a lot of women think that's how you're supposed to act. And then, of course, doesn't address, there's huge chunks of the population that are left out of those narratives, that very binary male-female narrative. So there yep. are, you know, directors like Erica Lust and sites like OMGS that are, and what's the other one? Uh, oh, you know what? We'll put it in the show notes because it's escaping me right now. Is it the one that you sent me recently? Yeah. Belesa? No, no. Oh, no. That's a good one too. Yeah. That, yeah. That, there's, I tripped over that. that <laughs> Belesa is like female directed porn. And OMGS is a little bit more educational where you can subscribe and there are, and it's real people in real situations and it's more instructive and more egalitarian and like you, and more pleasure centered. Right. So I think that's something that's starting to change a little bit, but mainstream porn is still the easiest to get. And so, because it's so accessible, that's what the kids are consuming these days. Right. And I don't want to shame people for consuming it or enjoying it because I do, you do, mm-hmm. a lot of people do, but, but I do think that it can't be a replacement for proper sexual education, sex ed, and it can't be, you know, there needs to be open conversation about it so that kids know that this, first of all, it's like alcohol. It's not, it's like drugs. It's like not for kids. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't fully represent what sex is. You know, it's a performance. You know, we've talked about how like, and I'm sure you can attest to this. If it looks good on camera, it probably doesn't feel very good. And if it feels good, it probably doesn't look like much of anything. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) yes to everything that you just said, just retweet. And (laughs) to your point about, yeah, like it not 
look like if it looks good it doesn't feel good so yeah like those it's the positions that they would have them do for the duration of time that they would have them do them and the angles like it's not like a feel-good kind of thing like when you're in there like shooting a scene it's literally like you said just for the visuals and I think marketers all around are genius in how they literally play on our human biology um, in every every way and so in this industry specifically like you said like the mainstream porn like that's like what's popular it's probably going to stay popular for a long time and you know i think that's fine just be mindful of what it is that you're consuming i try not to click on the really derogatory titles because i'm like no fuck your algorithm <laughs> that's not cool i'm not gonna watch two sluts get banged by like a big dick or like whatever the thing is and the the thing that marketers have done with this is they they're giving us instant gratification. Like, like you said, visually it looks good and most of people are watching it to get off. So it's going to be something that like, we're not really like, Oh, well let me get into the story kind of thing. That's not what I'm doing right now. Like that there's a need I'm here for a reason, like give it to me. And they're providing that. And so, yeah, it creates that dopamine fix like in our brains. And so, yeah, we're going to like go back to it. And in that sense, like, yeah, like, it's pretty genius what they've done. Like, during the, the shutdown, I mean, they surged ratings, like, viewings. Like, I don't know what the numbers are, but, I mean, sex toys, like, the whole, like, sex industry, which is cool in some senses because I think that it empowered a lot of people to take their sexuality into their own hands, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and start to explore in that regard. And in the same time, like, with me saying that, I wonder if we also did a disservice to ourselves in terms of, you know, bringing more people into this like kind of like negative view of, you know, what sex is in terms of something done to women, because I'm very much like, no, it is something that we do consensually, like together, like, I mean, unless I say like, hey, you give it to me tonight, you know, like, <laughs> or vice versa. Like I heard, I heard that... the consent, Jonna. I heard the consent. <laughs> the enthusiastic <laughs> consent. Yeah, like in that sense, it's totally fine. But again, so not to shame anyone, but like to be mindful for it is what it is. You know, like you're you're consuming a product that they want. And like, that's why they're saying these things. And like, not to let that consciously or subconsciously you know, play on how you actually perceive the world and actually perceive people in terms of their sexuality. So I don't know if you have paid attention to this kind of stuff. You're right. <laughs> You're going to be paid attention to this kind of stuff in North Carolina. But there's been a number in the last couple of years, there's been a number of proposed laws or bills to go through that are targeting this kind of stuff. And with SESTA and FOSTA um, recently, it meant that internet providers or, or content providers were became liable for the content on their sites. So you saw a lot of sex workers that used kind of yeah Craigslist type things like Backpage being shut down because or or being being shut out of those sites because you know ostensibly to stop human trafficking, um, which is obviously generally speaking a very small portion of of that industry. But it had wider reaches. And now there's a new bill called CISIA, the Stop Internet Exploitation Act, that's trying to be pushed through ostensibly to 
stop child pornography from being produced, but obviously is going to limit a lot of legal content that isn't child pornography. And you see this in places like the UK, where they where they put these things that are so unpalatable out there, like, we want to stop child pornography, everybody wants to stop child pornography. But if you're opposed to the bill, then you must be for child pornography, which is not really it's a false dichotomy. It's not, it's not, it's not what you can have, you can have legalized porn and also be against child, child pornography. pornography. Like it can be both of those things. And they make it this binary kind of choice. And I, right. I, I was just wondering your time in the industry, if you had any kind of thoughts on, on those types of bills that are being proposed or that have already passed. I mean, it was a long time ago that I was actually in it. And so none of that, the only thing that came up that was really kind of like controversial while I was working was they were considering having the talent actually wear protection because there had been like an outbreak, I believe of HIV. Mm -hmm. And so that was going around, like, are they going to, like, are they not? And so that was like the big kind of thing then. And I actually didn't know anything about like these bills until B actually pointed it out. So thank you for doing that. And yeah, I, I totally get like, again, like retweet because yeah, I, I don't think any of us want like no, no one wants child pornography or human trafficking, right? Like those are terrible, terrible things. And yeah, at the same time, these bills, like you said, like that they're introducing are really hindering a lot of these people who depend on sex work for a living. And at the same time, like sex is something that it's the oldest, like prostitution is the oldest, you know, like profession. And so like, this is kind of in alignment with that, like sex sales is like the point I'm getting at. And so um, not that like porn workers are prostitutes, like I'm not trying to say that, but I'm just trying to say that like the, the solicitation, like the selling of sex is a commodity. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. And so regardless of what regulations they may put in place, it's going to be around. And it's not something that I think is, I mean, yes, like, let's not have child pornography. Let's not have human trafficking. And at the same time, like, if you shut it down, like, to the extent that they're trying to do, people are still going to do it. And they're going to do it in, like, a dangerous way. Like, they're going to do all of these things. And I think that some things aren't mainstream for a reason, right? Like, I think that, like, some of, like, the really dark things that people do, and, I mean, you know, do what you like, as long as it's not causing anyone else harm, I think that some of these things, if they're pushed to a place where, you know, it is so secluded, like, on the dark web, hard to find, that we're going to be doing ourselves a service in terms of, like, humanity, because I think that, you know, more people who are familiar and like into and curious about these like darker things will find their people, they'll feel more at ease, like it'll make it more of a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the bigger concern that I have in terms of like, you know, let's like shut down and like put all these balls in place is like, you know, what if you paid people a wage where they would make a lot of money doing other things? Like, right. what about that? Like, mm -hmm. have we thought about doing that before? Because... You know, it's like you're trying to, I was just gonna say, it's like you're trying to like fix the leak by like, you know, here's a Band-Aid, let's pour it in another pot. Like, you know, let's like do this, but like not looking at like, oh, well, like there's a fucking like drip up here. Like maybe if we fix that, then like nothing would be like leaking out of anywhere because like the drip would stop kind of a, a concept. Or if we stop pretending that these pieces of legislation are about 
child porn and child trafficking. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be fucking real and talk about what it's really about. And it's anti-sex worker. Mm-hmm. And, that, that, and 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 by pretty, you know, by extension, anti-women. Yeah. Right. And and let's just let's just fucking call it what it is, because sex work is work. And if someone is is of age and wants to have sex for a living because they enjoy it and that's and and they're not being used by anybody else to do that, then they should have the right to do that. And everybody else should mind their Mm -hmm. fucking business. And it's just like a lot of it, like it's not going to it's just going to drive this material underground where there is no regulation and there are no eyes on it. Right. Just like you were saying to your point, you know, it's kind of similar to banning abortion. It doesn't stop abortion. It drives it underground yep. and makes it dangerous. And that's exactly what this kind of legislation does. When it, like you said, when people are going to search for it, then they find themselves in these communities and in these echo chambers and, and shit gets dark fast, you know? So yeah. I, I think that, you know, I mean, we're, we, we don't really have a dog in the fight with that because we're north of the wall here, but, but I think people, people that, that have voting power over this kind of stuff really need to educate themselves, educate themselves and, and, and get informed about what these pieces of legislation mean and make sure these things don't go through because it's just, it's not going to have the, the effect it's, it's moral theater is what it is. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. really not doing what they want it to do. It's a, it's a different kind of agenda than I think they're, they're presenting it. And Pornhub recently was in the news because Visa and MasterCard cut off their services to Pornhub and their other two site porn, porn yeah. things because they did an extensive investigation and found 165 instances of, of child pornography on, on the millions of videos that are there. And Pornhub was kind of like, yeah, but, Facebook over the same time period had like several hundred thousand in- incidences of child pornography in various private Facebook groups and things like that. And you're not shutting down Facebook, no. but now all these performers, cam performers and things like that, that relied on the ability to take payment that way, we're not able to. And so, yeah, the, the, the intention is noble, but by conflating all pornography as, as some kind of terrible thing or all sex work as trafficking, you know, there are these people that are going to get caught up in it that, that, that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough, t- there's not enough specificity in these bills to distinguish between that by design or by accident, but. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to pivot a little bit as we kind of wrap this up a little bit. So now you are, I would say, you'd say like a holistic coach. Would you not say that? Mm-hmm. I would say and that. Can you, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Because this is, this is, kind of the, the way that you and I met and where we sort of connect on, you know, the things that I'm doing and the things that you're doing. And there's, there's been some overlap there, which I really, really love. Can you tell me how all of that, that experience has sort of informed what you're doing now? So, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's not something that I really get a chance to talk about. I think that what I have observed in my terms, um, in my experience of, people who are like doing what I'm doing, which the end goal is to like, you know, help people, right? I think that a lot of times they they try to like sugarcoat it and they try to make it like something very flowery and something very like positive. And, you know, that's not life. Like that's life sometimes. That's not life all the time. And I think that it is important that we have these conversations um, about our histories. We have these conversations about like what's happening 
And we really shine a light on not just, you know, the confirmation bias of like, yeah, I think that, yeah, where's more people that think that too? Let's all have a conversation party and block everyone that doesn't kind of thing. That's what they sound like in my head. <laughs> I think that's accurate. That, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's their voices. And I think that to answer your question, how my experience has impacted what I'm doing now is it has really, really opened up my perspective in terms of, you know, like looking at these like unwritten, like societal contracts of like what's acceptable and what's not. And I've always been someone that didn't quite get them, whether that be with like interracial dating or women should do this, they shouldn't do that. Like the whole toxicity of should like, whoo, don't get me started. And so I think that having this experience at such a young age, while at the time I was very much like, oh, like, what do I do? Like, you want me to like, you want me to test the talent, which we didn't even talk about. And having that experience has really like given me the opportunity to see things and to question like what is presented at face value. Because to your point about like these bills, like both of your points, I think that, yeah, like this is what it's presented as. And the more like you look into it, depending on what sites you click on, the more you're going to find the information that confirms that, yeah, that's what it's about. And to your point about like they shut down like Visa, like I didn't know that like on Pornhub, but yeah, like that's, that's so crazy. Like why would they not on Facebook? Like these are the things that we don't think to look into because we go to school to learn how to obey, not to learn how to think. Mm -hmm. And so I think that with that, having this experience has really empowered me to be in a position where I am able to take things for what they are and then get curious about like what else they're really about. Because it's very rare that the situation that comes up, and this can be with like a client, this can be with like the bills. It's very rare that it is like truly like what it's about. Like there's always some underlying thing, right? There's this, this facade that we present it as. And I think that in terms of like the sex work bill, I wanted to bring this up. It's easy for us to be like, yeah, we're doing this, you know, for to ban child porn and like to get rid of like human trafficking. And that's the facade, right? Like that gives us something to focus on because there are so many underlying issues. Why don't you pay people more money so that they can do things and they don't have to be like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, have sex. Like, yeah, do it if that's what you want. But at the same time, I don't think that that is why everyone is doing it. Mm. And my experience working and seeing like, you know, how that industry works, like kind of like proved that or also suggested that for me. And so like, that's an underlying concern. Like why, you know, are we in a position where, yeah, like you're saying, like, let's shut down this, but you have, like you were saying, like the, they're not doing it to Facebook and like, it's really like for sex workers. Like, you know, if you give someone like a target, like that's what we're going to go for. And so having this different point of view and this different experience, you know, in my background, which, you know, it's not something I talk about a lot. So this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. <laughs> so excited! It's really like set me up well in terms of just being really, really real and really authentic when it comes to what people have and like, you know, what they present like me with. If someone comes to me with a, a situation, I think a lot of times people feel a lot of shame for like who they are, like what they've done, like the things that they think, because like we don't talk about them. And I think that a lot of times we as humans, whenever someone does disclose that to us, because it is taboo, because it isn't talked about a lot the reaction doesn't make that other person 
feel good about the fact that they've done it. It doesn't even make them feel like seen or heard in any sense of the way. And so I think that, you know, having this experience has really given me the opportunity to take that step back and, you know, look at it, like I said, for what it is and like for what else it really is. And that's something that I feel is very unique and something that I think I look for in my friendships and like my interactions with people. And so, yeah, like I have like a a tight circle and like it's for a reason. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad y'all are a part of it. I'm very happy to be a part of it. I got, I got to ask one question though. Like she kind of slipped it in there. Oh, okay. What is this testing the talent? (laughs) Okay. So. And do you need to study? We went from super noble right back down to the guts again. Nicely done. Nicely done. Well done. (laughs) So we're just, we're keeping, that's real. We're keeping on the toes. So, okay, this was probably the most disturbing, the most impactful, like, standout moment of, like, I probably was there for, like, maybe a year, grand total. And so they told me that they needed me to um, screen the talent, I believe, is, like, what it was. And I'm, like, what the fuck is that? Like, we need you to screen the male talent. And I'm, like, what? (laughs) They wanted me to they had like an ad because like you were like you mentioned back page and like craigslist like they would advertise like hey like male talent like basically like we need you for we, we need your dick and seven thousand people show up <laughs> actually not a lot of people showed up it was funny but this so it was john's job for some reason didn't see that in the job description any of them to screen the talent and so what that meant is that i had to as these dudes came in I had to make sure that they could get hard in front of me and in front of the other, like one of the other males that I worked with, because you had to, you know, get hard to like do a scene. Mm-hmm. So I had to make sure that they could get hard and keep it hard. And I, <laughs> me and the, like the producer, cause we shot for like a larger company. It was like a smaller production company. So me and the producer that's like, Hey, you got to do this. And the other person that like had my role go, in like the front office. What we weren't even in like a back room. We go in to the lobby. front office. <laughs> Basically, get your like the doors out. are like right. <laughs> Our landlord could have came in at any second. So in the strip plaza with those giant windows. <laughs> it was. It was. That's exactly what it was. That is exactly what it was. So yeah, like he comes in. They like bring me and like the other person out there and like the the producers like introducing us and I'm like I don't want to shake his hand <laughs> and I did and um, I'm just kind of standing there and he like whips his dick out starts getting hard and I'm like I what like again I had those voices in my head I was like this is what you're doing with your life right now this you you have this is this is what you're deciding to do with your life and again nothing wrong with it. But just at the time, I was having some concerns um, about my choices. And so this dude is like, I mean, can I get something? So we get him a laptop and we like give him like, you know, like scenes to like whatever. So he's like watching it. He's like got his like dick in his hand and he's talking to us and like having a conversation. And me and like the other person that have my role were just like (laughs) stone cold, like frozen, like what and so he ended up not being able to get it hard and he left right now and afterwards the producer was like 
y'all look like a deer in the headlights. Like, you, you can't do that. And we were like, what the fuck did you want us to do? I came into work. I didn't know that was what I was going to be doing today. Like, what do you mean? How did you expect us to respond? Like, you gave us no heads up. And the the two, like, the producer lived with, like, the other person. And so they were, like, yelling at each other. And I'm just sitting there, like, can I go home? Like, I think I'm done for the day. Like, so you that is a stressful development. And no, I didn't have to do it again because they were like, no wonder you couldn't get it hard. Y'all's faces, <laughs> y'all were standing there. And then like the other was like, right. I'm and going to disinfect. It was your fault, right? And you weren't supportive enough, John. Yeah. That was the problem. Yeah, right. So blame it on the woman. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was not supportive at all. I was like, I don't know what, do I, do I look at it the whole time? Do I like, like no one prefaced me? Yeah, like, do, do I do I time it? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, do I need to be like a certain distance away? Does he just do it in the corner? You literally brought this to us like after lunch and said he's coming in in an hour. So, so yeah, I think I think I think that is that is the best story, and the best. It was a good story. Life. You know what lesson I learned from that? Mm, I like this. I this learned the if there's a job that you don't want to do. And you can apply this to anything, ladies and gentlemen, and people listening, however you identify. If there's a job you don't want to do, you just pretend like you're really bad at it. And then they just won't <laughs> ask you again. I think I think husbands that have done groceries or laundry before and really don't want to do it already know that secret. <laughs> oh, well, I and learned that day. Yeah, if you don't want to get asked to do something, just do it badly. And then they won't ask you again. <laughs> I learned it that day and it wasn't even on purpose. I <laughs> Those are the most impactful lessons. Yes. I just, yeah, I was like, Traumatic I don't know, know what you wanted me to do. I know what you said was going to happen. I didn't know what that meant until he walked in the door and shook my hand and asked for a laptop, um, which we should probably burn, by the way. We should probably burn. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's no bed in a bag big enough to catch that. That's funny. Yeah. Like we're done with that laptop. No one use it. Like I think it was the other person's personal laptop. If I'm not mistaken. Oh my goodness. Oh man. That laptop kills hard-ons. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you not give him yours producer? Why would you not give him yours? I think we all know why that is. (laughs) Yeah. We all know why that was Jesus. Yeah. I I wanted to share that story. So I'm glad that I got to. I love that. I love that story. And the lesson that goes with it, you know, that's that's where the growth comes from when you, when you can extract a lesson from any kind of traumatic event that you've experienced on the job or off. Yeah, talking about it. I got really hot. Yeah. I got You're back in that moment. She's, she's all flustered again. I'm back in the strip mall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jonna, where can people find you? You can find me on the Instagram. That is the easiest. That's where I post the most. And you can find me at Soul Searching and Squat. If you so choose, I have not changed my website yet. So that is isquatforpancakes.com. I love it. I love that. Perfect. Yeah. And you are available. Are you doing coaching groups? Are you doing one-on-one coaching or how does that work? I'm doing both. So groups go in like a cadence. And so um, there's not one active right now. There will be one coming up. So if you're interested, just let me know either by sliding into my DMs or um, there's a form on my website. And then for one-on-one, I have some different options depending on what best fits the person. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Jonna. 
Thank you. This was so fun. It was so fun. Thank you for coming on. I, you, you tell great stories. I love them. We're going to have to have you. We're going to, we're going to have a, another traumatic events on the job show. Yes, <laughs> very much so. I have some of those. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Bye, Jonna. Thank you. All right, bye. Thank you. Oh man, that was so much fun. Yes, it was. So, so many questions mm-hmm. answered. And actually a ton more. Yeah. And you know what? I think uh, there's some moments in there that are really like, oh, just heartbreaking. And people, you know, that's something that we need to think about, you know, about where, where we get our porn and, and what, what the human cost of that is, you know? Yeah. I try not to think too hard on that. I'm sure you don't. But it, but it, I feel like a terrible person sometimes when I consume porn, because if there's porn with condoms in it i go ugh, i don't want to watch this but that's what keeps the performers safe yeah right mm-hmm. and and it's just kind of like ugh, like know. there's this like moral dilemma i know there's a lot of and and it, it's funny because those moral dilemmas don't often show up until after mm-hmm. you finished <laughs> yeah yeah that moment of like ugh, what did i oh, just what, what did, did i just come to what did i just watch <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, I think those, those pieces of legislation are something that people need to really familiarize themselves with and, and think about. So you know how to find Jana. Yep. How can people find us? Well, you can go to our website, www.cheatingonfear.com. You can send us an email, info at cheatingonfear.com. If you have any more questions. If you have any more questions. Yeah. Yeah. This or any other show. That's it. And we are also on Twitter and Instagram at cheating on fear and patreon.com slash cheating on fear. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dante. Thanks, B. If you guys like the episode, be sure to leave a comment, share, subscribe, obviously, so you get all these juicy new episodes when they come out. <laughs> they won't all be as juicy as this one. <laughs> Even juicier. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.